Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to the third part of our Lent sermon series. In this sermon, what does the inward and outward mess caused by sin have to do with Christian education? You are listening to Proclaiming the Lord's Death, Reconciling All Things to Himself by Rev. Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians 1, and I'll be reading verse 13 through 23. 13 through 23, and this, of course, continues our sermon series on the cross of Jesus. Now, just to remind everybody where we've been, we've had two sermons so far, and both of them have have focused on wonderful things about the cross. In the first week, we remembered how Jesus' death paid for our sins. So our sins incur a debt, and the more we sin, that debt gets out of control, it gets too big for us to pay, Jesus on the cross pays the penalty with his blood, pays for our sins. Last week, we remembered something a little different. We remembered it's not just about paying for those sins, it's about fixing the thing that makes those sins, that's our heart. There's something wrong with our hearts, which is why we keep committing committing those sins. And what Jesus does is he does battle with the devil so that he changes our hearts, so that we're no longer in sin, but we're in Christ. So our hearts are changed and our sins are paid for. Both of those things are really important in the cross and really good news. But neither of those things get at the big story. Both those things are very personal. They're about me and God and how my heart and my life changes. But God's purposes in the cross Go far beyond my heart and my relationship with God. And that's what we're going to hear in the book of Colossians. Listen. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church, and the beginning and the firstborn from among the the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, Now Christ has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. My wife Linda and I, first moved into our home in Indian Village about 12 years ago. 
12 years ago in March, in fact. And we love our neighborhood. Uh, it's, it's a neighborhood of, of well-built and well-kept homes. And, and we were very struck by how well-kept and well-built all the homes were when we first moved in. Most of them. Early on in our stay there, so it must have been March, I was taking my kids to the bus stop. And we walked down my street and just around the corner, and we came right in front of a house that was kind of a mess. It was obviously a nice house, but it had fallen into disrepair. The, the outside desperately needed a coat of paint. The garden had obviously been nice at one time, but it was now overgrown. And the front lawn was, was sort of covered with weeds. And as I walked by with my kids and I looked up in the front window, I could see that there were like five cats looking at me from this front window. And that struck me the first time, but every day when I took my kids to the bus stop, there were those cats looking at me and I thought I kind of got used to it. Well, a little later, and it must have been late April, I think it was on one of those sort of unseasonably warm April days, Linda and I were sitting out on the front porch. And we were having a nice time together and we turned to each other and said, do you smell something? I think I smell cat. And sure enough, it was the unmistakable, pungent smell of cat. The warm spring air was carrying it from an open window in that rundown house up the street and to our front porch, and it was overwhelming. I think it was later that summer that the authorities showed up at that house. The police and some other people, some of you may have seen it, it was on the news, they took something like 73 cats out of that house. Now, it was a sad story, because it wasn't always that way. Uh, there was an older couple who had used to live there, and they were wonderful neighbors. They took great care of this beautiful house. They had a nice lawn. They had a nice garden. Everything was great. They only had a couple cats. But then the husband died, and grief overwhelmed this woman, and then mental illness. And she started getting cats to sort of, sort of try to cope with everything, and it just got out of hand. And when they finally got her out of that place and the cats out of the place, they had to gut the place to make it livable again. I tell this story because it's an expression of a spiritual truth, and it's simply this. For that woman, the reason her house fell apart was because her inside fell apart. The outside mess of her house, the physical state of her house, was an expression of what had gone wrong inside of her. The outward mess was an expression of her inward mess. That's a phenomenon I think we all see. We've all seen it with people whose lives, for whatever reason, have come apart, family struggle, mental illness. It's not just the inside that starts to fray. We can see the physical results on the outside. The inside mess becomes an outside mess. And this is a spiritual phenomenon that is as old as creation, right? This is the creation story. When Adam and Eve sin against God and they become rebellious in their heart, what happens? Thorns and thistles invade the ground. Creation becomes a mess. Their outside relationships become a mess. They start accusing each other and within a generation, they're killing each other. The inward mess becomes an outward mess. You don't just see this phenomenon in creation, you see it in other places in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah confronts the people of Judah for their sins. He says, you have spurned the Holy One of Israel and you've turned your back on God. Inward mess. What's the result of this inward mess? I'm quoting now. Your country is desolate. 
Your fields are stripped by foreigners, and you become like a lean-to in a melon patch. Your heart's a mess, your house becomes a mess. Your inward mess leads to outer mess. This starts to get us to a place where we can see the big story of Christ's cross, the grand story that God the Father was executing when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. That's what we hear in Colossians. Colossians, Paul tells us that in Christ you have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins, okay? That's what we heard about the first two weeks. The inside of your hearts has been cleaned. But Paul also says that there's this other result. You have been moved from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves, says Paul. Well, that's interesting. What does that mean, to be moved into the kingdom of the son he loves? What kind of kingdom is that? Is that just an inside kingdom? Is that just a kingdom in the heart, or is it something bigger than that? Verses 15 and 19 tell us clearly and forcefully. What does the son rule over? He rules over everything. He made all things, and in him all things hold together. All creation matters to him. Is his rule restricted to physical things? No. It's things visible and invisible, things on earth and things in heaven. It's all of the things. Is he only ruling over Israel, the Jews, and the church? No. All authorities, all thrones, all powers, all people. The rule of Christ is not just this interior thing in Colossians 1. It is all creation. In him, all things hold together. And so what is the Son doing in this kingdom? Verse 20 tells us, so important. He's reconciling all things to himself through the death of his son on the cross, making peace through the blood shed on the cross. On the cross, the Lord is executing the great plan of the Father, and the plan is not simply to remake hearts, it's to remake all creation, to bring justice and righteousness and goodness and flourishing to all. And you can see this already in the story of Good Friday itself. What does nature do in the story of Good Friday? Is nature involved? Does creation react? Absolutely. Matthew tells us that when Christ is crucified, the earth shook and the rocks split. And the three synoptic gospels tell us that the whole creation goes dark, almost like it's like a computer rebooting, starting again. And then in Romans 8, Paul makes it explicit again. The whole of Romans mostly talks about how our inside is renewed, how our sins are paid for, how Jesus sets us free from our sins. But then in Romans 8, verse 19, you get to this climax where Paul says that the whole creation is waiting in eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation groans as it waits for the children of God to be revealed. What's that about? Who are the children of God? That's us. With our inward selves renewed by the cross, we are now equipped to go out and to renew creation. Before, our inward mess created an outward mess. But now in Christ, our inward hope is meant to show itself in the world. What is this like? This is like an owner of one of those grand English estates. If you've ever been to England or just seen them, they're not just 
It was sort of a Downton Abbey type estate, right? This beautiful home with, with grounds. And the owner of the estate let that out to tenants. That was us. And we got messed up and the whole estate fell into ruin. Everything is a mess. But the owner and architect wants to renew the whole thing, wants to make it better than new. He's going to make every floor level, every wall plumb. He's going to make every crooked thing straight and he's going to use us to do it. He starts by changing our hearts, by putting his vision for his project in our hearts. And once that vision for what he wants to do is in our hearts, he sends us out into the grounds. And there's all kinds of places we can go. Some of us who love music, we go into the conservatory and we tune up the piano and refurbish the violins, make sure they're working. Others of us who are art lovers go to the frescoes and make sure they look better. Some of us go into the gardens, do the weeding, get them up to speed. Some of us clean the sludge out of the pond that's on the estate. But all of us find places where the hope which is in our hearts takes physical shape in that world, in that place. Which brings us to Christian Education Sunday. When we as families train our kids to follow Jesus, we don't just want Jesus to transform their hearts. We teach them that they are called to go out into the world with their talents, with their loves, and find a place where the world's great need meets their great joy. We teach them that their hope must take outward form in the world. And parents at the grave do this in a variety of ways. And we support all of those ways. Some of them choose public schools. Some of them choose to homeschool. We support and we respect all those choices. But we have always loved and we've always supported Christian schools because Christian schools do this particularly well. If our kids are in Christian schools, they're not just taught that Jesus is Lord of their hearts. They are taught that their inward hope is meant to take outward shape in the world. And so we teach them things like art and music because we know that some of them will paint paintings or make beautiful music that will wake up people's souls and break through hard hearts and remind them that those people, that they have a soul and that soul properly belongs to God. In our Christian schools, we teach things like public service and government. Why? Because some of our kids might become law enforcement agents. And they might go into the most dangerous and most broken parts of our world and bring Jesus' peace to kitchens where people are screaming at each other. We teach our children the intricacies of cell biology. Because some of them are going to become doctors, and some of them are going to become nurses, and some of them might become researchers where they might do something like, oh, I don't know, invent a vaccine that's really, really necessary. We teach our children other languages. Why? So that we can connect better with other cultures and other people, so that we can become closer to reconciling in Christ, the holy purpose of our God. It is so important that we be reconciling people, especially right now. Right now, the sort of the spirit of the times is the opposite of reconciliation, right? If, if the image of what 
Colossians is telling us is bringing us all things together in Christ. Right now we're into quarantine and social distance and self-isolation. And these are all things about keeping apart. And that's necessary. But it's so important at this kind of time that we Christians go out and be people of love. Survival is the ethos, right? Survival is what people focus on at a time like this. In a time of survival, this is the time for Christians to step forward and to be people of love. And there's all kinds of ways we can do it. Maybe you make a phone call this afternoon. There's someone you haven't talked to in a while and that you've been meaning to call. Today's the day to do it. Maybe you get out your cards, and I know many of you are great card writers, but don't just write one or two today. Maybe write four or five. Take out your prayer list. Pray for those people. It's also a great way to know who to send cards to. Think of the people in your community who are hardest hit during this time. Many of us are going to be financially okay. I'm going to be financially okay. But there are some people who are our employees who are going to be really hard hit. Who do you know in your circle? Who do you interact with every week who's an hourly employee for whom this Time might be a matter of life and death. Reach out to that person. Find out if they need a little financial help. And if you have the ability, give it. Think of the kids of the GRPS who rely on their food to come from their school lunches and their school breakfasts. Okay? Those kids are particularly stressed and those families are particularly stressed right now. Could you volunteer? Not those of you who are at the at-risk age the younger ones, the healthy ones. Could you volunteer to get the food to the kids? All these are ways in which the hope inside of you can become physical hope in the world. In the early church, that was one of the ways the gospel took hold. There were plagues in Rome and the Christians stood out because they were the ones who were willing to help when others were focused on survival. During these next three weeks, we could all sit home and watch Netflix, binge all day. That would be pretty isolating. How much better if we could stand under the cross, let the love of Christ fill our hearts, and then let that love take physical shape in the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, these are hard and for many of us, a little bit scary times. We thank you for your gospel that reminds us not only that you are stronger than these things that scare us, it reminds us that your gospel is so strong that we can step out into the storm and love people in ways that will bring hope when fear seems to be the rule. Help us to be those kinds of people, Lord, to stand under your cross and love well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.